How well do we know the Holy Spirit? How clearly do we hear his voice? How real is he in our everyday lives? Hello and welcome back to the God's Story podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and our guest today is Becky Thompson, who's just published a book with Thomas Nelson called God So Close, Experience a Life Awakened to His Spirit. Becky is a best-selling author and the creator of the Midnight Mum devotional community, gathering more than a million mums in nightly prayer. Becky has authored seven books and has appeared on the USA Today, Publishers Weekly, and ECPA bestseller lists. And Becky joins us now from the States. Becky, hi. Hi, how are you? I'm so glad to be on the program and really looking forward to our conversation. Well, I hope it lives up to your expectations. It's a joy to have you. How can we come to know God better? You know, what a great question. I think it, it, it's really important that when we think about our desire to know God better, we remember that God first desires us to know him better, that everything about God from the beginning of time has been so his creation can know him personally as father, friend, and comforter. And so God has made this available a number of ways to us, but through the gift of Jesus' sacrifice and the gift of the Holy Spirit, we can read the word of God and we can have personal relationship with the Lord. And these are the foundations of knowing God better. What prevents people from having a fuller experience of God and indeed of the Holy Spirit, do you think? You know, personally, when I think about uh, some of the hesitation around the Holy Spirit in many churches and many uh, belief systems and streams, it just seems like there's not a lot of good teaching on it. There's not a lot of, let's say, approachability to the subject. I'm leading a, a study right now, a group of almost a thousand women through my new book, God So Close. And I asked them this question in the very beginning. To me, I've always thought of the Holy Spirit as, and then they get a chance to fill in the blank. And then the second part of that question is, to me, the Holy Spirit seems, and they get to fill in the blank. And the answer I get often, uh, and I'm getting frequently from these ladies in this particular group, is that the Holy Spirit is someone that they've thought of as just an addition to God, you know, not necessarily part of the Trinity, even though we know scripture says that's true. And for a lot of them, they're saying the Holy Spirit seems mysterious, unknowable, unattainable, unreachable. And I wish I could sort of put my finger on why that is for so many of us. I think it goes back to we just, we understand Jesus, you know, we understand the Father in a sense, because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But the Holy Spirit, you know, how do you know spirit? How do you talk to spirit? How do you have a relationship with spirit? It becomes a little more complicated, but it's definitely worth pursuing. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, try and unpack it a bit now for folk. When did you have your first experience of the Holy Spirit? Well, I was raised in a, in a home where the Holy Spirit was spoken of often and too often. You know, we would ask, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to us? What do you, what do you want us to do? You know, as a family, uh, really listening for the voice of the father through the words of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so I was really immersed before I was baptized. You know, I was immersed in a culture of a family that believed in the importance and presence of the Holy Spirit, but it wasn't until I was about 10 years old and we had traveled from one portion of the United States to another portion of the United States. And uh, because we heard there was a church service where 
God had shown up in a really unique way. And so they had continued services and people were lining up outside, driving from across the country and lining up outside for hours just for an opportunity to come into the building and and see what God might say to them or do for them or if they could experience God in a unique way in their own lives. And my family was one of those people who drove and waited outside. And as we came into the building, I just remember, you know, my parents didn't say, when you get inside, this is what's going to happen. They just had an anticipation and it really spilled over into my own heart. Whereabouts Um, was this? So this was on the East coast. This was in Florida of yeah, Florida. And Mm. I was coming from Oklahoma. We went inside and I just remember this peace. There was just peace in what was happening there. It wasn't, it was exciting, but it wasn't confusing. It was just, I felt like at any moment, God himself would walk into the room. Like I would, I would see him in some way that I hadn't before, like a VIP access, you know, (laughs) that's what it felt like. The only way I could describe it, you know, in those 10 year old words was somebody famous is about to show up. That was the same anticipation. So I'm sitting in the chair and the um, minister gets up and delivers this sermon and there's a worship time and there's prayer time and all the things you would find in an, in a regular service in a service that's just like every other Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whenever everybody goes to church. But at the end, they had a, a call, an altar call. We call them, you know, Christianese, the words that Christians use often that maybe someone doesn't understand. They had an opportunity to come to the front for prayer. And I just remember standing up and going as if compelled, like as if there, as if I didn't have a choice, but I wanted to more than anything. And as I got up and started walking to the front, they, uh, most of the rest of the service did as well. Everybody in attendance, you know, 90%, I would say, looking back, got up and started walking to the front. It was a large auditorium and there wasn't much room at the front. So because they had been doing these services nightly and they were prepared, the ministry team actually began making their way down the aisles to meet those that were coming for prayer, knowing there wouldn't be enough space at the front to hold them all. And I just remember seeing this woman come come toward me. And as she walks toward me, it was as if God himself was walking toward me. The peace that this woman carried, the presence of God was so strong that even at 10 years old, I just, I couldn't stand up. I dropped to my knees and just, I remember crying and laughing and being overwhelmed with this, this love, this confident love that Jesus loved me, that God knew me, that God had a plan for me. Um, it, it made everything that had been happening around me happen to me. And that was the first time that I realized that when the presence of God comes close, everything changes. And I didn't want to just be someone who knew about God. I wanted to be someone who knew him for myself as a friend. And that was my first encounter. Yes. Wow. That's wonderful. Knew him personally. Yes. How has the Holy Spirit helped you to love and obey Jesus more? You know, I, I say often to my friends that we really only know Jesus as well as we know the Holy Spirit, because it's the spirit that was within Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the spirit that was within Jesus, and he reveals uh, the heart of our Heavenly Father. There's parts of scripture that talk about how we really only understand spiritual things as taught to us by the Spirit of God, that people of the world and the foolish don't understand, but the spirit teaches our heart spirit taught things. And so for me, the more I know the Holy Spirit, the more I spend time learning to hear his voice, 
in important things like obedience and correction and conviction, the more I hear him in other areas of my life. You know, the question I get often is, how can I know for certain that God is speaking to me about a decision I have to make or, you know, a choice that I have in front of me or, you know, something that matters to me. And I like to remind my friends that we know the Holy Spirit's voice because it's it's he who is teaching us how to follow Jesus. It's it's the Holy Spirit who's the one that's convicting our hearts when things are wrong, recorrecting our steps when we're trying to walk down a path of maybe just conversation that doesn't need to go that way or um, a daily action in our lives that the Holy Spirit wants to say, hey, this isn't God's best for you. This isn't what you know, I want for you. And so as we know the Holy Spirit, we get to love Jesus more fully. We get to follow him more fully because it's the Holy Spirit who really keeps us in alignment with the Father's heart. Yes. Well, we better come back and deal with the basics for those who are wondering what we're talking about. Who is the Holy Spirit? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think many of us, you know, including me growing up in church, even after this encounter with the Holy Spirit, when I was 10 years old, I had this moment where, um, in one of my college classes, it was a third year college class, almost had my degree in biblical studies, no less. And I took a class called the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And I just remember thinking this is going to be such a basic refresher course. The professor might as well give me an A and move me on down the road. I don't even know why I have to take this class. And, and I just remember the, one of the first days he said, I want you to know that you need to capitalize Holy Spirit anytime you write a paper. And I want you to remember to call him a he and not an it. And I, I kind of remember that moment of going, wait, what? <laughs> this is, you know, I knew that, that Jesus is a person. I knew the father's a person, but I guess I was always most comfortable thinking of the Holy Spirit as an it, a force. After all, in scripture, he's depicted as fire and wind and this tangible presence that doesn't really have a face. And so I thought, how is the Holy Spirit a person? And over the course of that class, I'm so glad I took it now. I realized that the Holy Spirit has a mind he has a will. He has emotions. He has all of these attributes of personhood. He is a full member of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but he doesn't have the confines of a body. So one of the ways that I explain this to friends of mine or just in casual conversation, <laughs> as often as the Holy Spirit comes up in casual conversation, um, and someone asks me, you know, I just don't get it. I, I think of him more as like a wind or an impersonal force. I say, well, how about this? We are spirits who live in bodies. And the realest part of ourselves that we think of often is our flesh. But in reality, we are born again of the spirit. And that is the part of us that's the most alive. As a matter of fact, when we get to heaven, we will, you know, have this body and this body falls away on the earth. Our spirits will remain the same, but they will get new bodies in heaven, right? Like this is sort of basic belief as outlined by scripture. But when we think of the Holy Spirit, 
He is just spirit without the confines of a body. He doesn't have, you know, skin to keep him in one place, kind of like Jesus did. He doesn't have, you know, he, he can be here with me and there with you a world away because he is so big and so amazing and so infinite that he doesn't have to be trapped by a human suit or a skin suit. So when I think of the Holy Spirit, it's really helped me to think, that I am interacting with a person that I can know. He's God, yes, but he has all the attributes, mind, will, emotion of somebody that I can have a relationship with. Okay. How do we get to know the Holy Spirit? Well, first, like it's kind of like I answered in the beginning, you know, we have to remember that God wants us to know him, that from the beginning of the Garden of Eden, then God's big story that he wanted relationship with us. And so if we think, okay, if God wanted me to know him so much that he'd send Jesus to restore a relationship back with him. And if he wanted us to know him so much that he would then send the gift of the Holy Spirit poured out on the earth to be with us forever, then I better begin the process of learning what scripture says about the Holy Spirit really that's the healthiest, best place to begin the relationship because Jesus has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. We can see how the early church interacted with the Holy Spirit. These are all sort of points that lead us toward the person of and the work of the Holy Spirit. And then we just begin very similar to how we said, Jesus, you know, I, I make you the, I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I give you my life. I want to be born again of the spirit. When the spirit of God comes inside of us, he doesn't come and just abide silently. We have a spirit who has been speaking to us. No man can come to the father unless the spirit first draws him. But I think it's important to know that all of this time, all of this time that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us and leading us into the relationship with the Father. It's not necessarily about beginning a relationship. It's about turning our hearts toward the one that's already there. Mm. To what extent is the filling of the Holy Spirit a continual process? I love that question. There's a scripture, and I wish I had it here in front of me. Maybe we can put it in a show note later. But the idea is that um, when Paul is speaking about the Holy Spirit, I think it's in Ephesians. Ephesians I think talk- it's Ephesians 5.18, I suspect. That sounds right. Yes, sir. <laughs> Somewhere yes, sir. around there. I think that's it. <laughs> and he talks about continue to be being filled. And the words he uses there in the original text is an ongoing process. And so, you know, there's a moment in Scripture when the Holy Spirit is poured out. We find that in Acts 2, and he's poured out on all of the disciples gathered in this upper room, and uh, and many of the friends gathered in this upper room, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, this is the story where we see the tongues of fire and them speaking in languages they didn't know and, and talking about the wondrous works of Jesus. But in addition to that, there's another moment where two of the men who were in that room go and they've they've through the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they've healed somebody. And then they've been brought in front of the religious council and they've been accused, but then they were released and they get back to the place where they're with their friends and they're testifying of what God has done. And, and it says that the whole place was filled with the Holy Spirit again, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I like to remember that we are full 
now, but we can have, it's like a pitcher already full, but we can be filled afresh, filled again, filled to overflowing. And this is part, I believe, of the daily walk of the Christian. Not to say that somehow my Holy Spirit pitcher has run out, but I want more of the Holy Spirit working in my life than my flesh working in my life. This is the continual process of be being filled by the Holy Spirit. Yes. How, how practically, if there's someone listening who is a, is a Christian and who's never experienced the Holy Spirit and doesn't quite know how to ask for more of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. or ask to be filled with the Spirit, what would you say to them? How can we ask the Father to fill us with his Spirit? You know, it's just so simple. We think of, we think of process and how things have to be said just right. But I don't think it's that that way in this case. I don't think it's that way in a lot of our relationship with God. You know, he just wants our hearts and he wants our willingness and he wants our our surrender. And so when we ask God, Lord, I don't know what this is all about, but I trust that if your word says it's true and if your word says you offer this and if your word says if Jesus himself said that it was better for him to go so that the spirit could be poured out for all of us, then I want everything Jesus made available through his sacrifice. And we just ask, we just ask, we just say our own prayer in our own words and we wait and we say, I just surrender my life, Lord, fill me afresh, fill me for the first time, pour out your spirit on me, God. And I think it can just be as simple as that. In what ways does God speak to us today through his Holy Spirit? Well, you know, first we have, we have scripture and it's through the word of God, which is everything that we need to live a life, you know, pleasing and according uh, to his perfect plan is outlined in the word. But, you know, the Holy Spirit does continue. Jesus says, Jesus says to his disciples before he goes to the cross, when he's explaining about the Holy Spirit who will be coming in this conversation that happens between John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, he says he will speak not on his own behalf, but he will speak what he hears and he will guide and he will teach. And Jesus uses these words that are action words, vocal words about what the Holy Spirit will do. And so we know that the Holy Spirit continues to speak. We have a God who hasn't lost his voice. I love that that's true. Yes. How can we, how can we learn to know when God is leading us or directing us or convicting us through his spirits? Because that's an important uh, thing to know as well, isn't it? Sure. Well, you know, I think we have to first dif- differentiate between the good voice of our Heavenly Father and the accusing voice of the enemy. This seems to be a thing that we struggle with often, but then we actually have a third voice, which we have to contend with, and that can just be our own voice, our own thoughts. And so we have flesh, we have the enemy, and we have the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we just, we have to say, well, how do I know for sure that it is God leading us? And so this is why going to the word is so important, but The word teaches us that when God speaks, he speaks to draw us into relationship with him. So an example might be God might say, there's something happening in your life. I'm going to call it out and point to it because it's keep, it's causing distance between us. And I want you, I want to have your full heart. I want to have your full attention. I don't want that anger or that bitterness or whatever that is, the pride that's come up in your heart to keep you from being close to me and having freedom that Jesus provides. So the things that the Holy spirit might point out might be, Hey, maybe we don't watch that show. Maybe we don't do that. Maybe we, maybe we take a step back from that relationship with that person that's causing that pain because this is what draws us closer to God. 
in contrast, the enemy, you know, he is always condemning Uh, the voice of our enemy is always saying things like, you know, you messed up, but there's no draw to the father. It's just, you messed up and you're not worth it. These things that the enemy says to us creates space. So for me, I kind of put what I'm hearing in my heart through a litmus test, almost just a, a series of questions. Does what I'm hearing in my heart draw me closer or create distance between me and the father is one is what I'm hearing confirmed in scripture. You know, God might not, (laughs) the word of God might not talk about airplanes or some of the things that we deal with in our daily lives or, you know, our specific jobs or, you know, issues with our kids, but it does have outlined principles of what God says is good and true. So does the word of God confirm what I believe God is saying to me here? And next, this is such a simple test, but would, would Jesus say this to my face? Does this sound like something that Jesus would say out loud if he was standing in front of me? The good, kind Jesus that loved people so well that wanted to point to the Father in everything he did and give um, him glory. Is this something Jesus would say? So those are the three questions that I ask myself when I believe that I've heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Does the Spirit work through our gut feelings and nudges? Yes, I think so. I, you know what? Here's the thing. I think we often attribute to gut feelings and nudges what's actually true of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, <laughs> I have to be honest. When I first became a mom, I used to just think that I had really good intuition, like mom sense, Spider-Man spider sense, <laughs> if you will. Um, but, but I've realized, no, that's actually the Holy Spirit who knows everything everything, things happening in the other room with my kids, you know, things that are happening at school that I am not aware of, things that are happening in my kids' hearts that they haven't even said out loud. So where I thought, man, I'm just such a great mom paying attention to my kids' unspoken signals or, you know, following that mom intuition of I need to check on them because they've been a little quiet for a little too long in whatever they're doing. Really, um, it's the Holy Spirit. I had one time it's not always the Holy Spirit. I want to clarify that, but often, often it's the Holy Spirit who wants us uh, to make the very best decisions leading us. I had this one moment when I was little or when my kids were very young and the Holy Spirit had reminded me to throw an extra outfit into the diaper bag, you know, just an extra onesie instead of diapers and um, some wipes. And I thought, this is a great idea. I'm so smart. And um, we ended up needing that, that situation later for a situation I will not talk about on your show here today, but I was so glad that we had it in that moment. And I thought, man, I'm so smart. And then later I realized, you know what, you know, who else knew I'd need this God who knows mm. the end for and all those things. So those things in our hearts that often are like, I think this is just my intuition. I think it's so good to say, is this God? Lord, is this you? Are you leading me? And then when we make note of those moments and we sort of string them all together, we see all the places where God was involved in even the mundane details of our lives. He's very practical, God, isn't he? I mean, he can, he thinks about these things. He does. He has everything planned down to the finest detail. How does God speak to us through events or things that happen to us. Hmm. You know, I think this, I think my, is my story of what I just shared is kind of true. Um, you know, oh, we, we could talk all about the hard moments of life or the events that unfold in our day. I think, I think the most important thing about your question there, how does he speak to us through events is knowing that he does care about the details. You know, he cares about, 
he cares about everything that's going to happen from, you know, the 8am podcast to the, you know, midnight final thoughts before we close our eyes. He knows all of it. And um, when we invite God to be part of our day, then the events that are unfolding around us have so much more significance uh, when we really pay attention to that. Final question. I think it's the final question. How does the spirit sometimes give us knowledge about something or someone that only he would know? I believe that we see that outlined in scripture in a number of ways. So my answer to that question is yes. And here's why. Um, when Jesus walked to the earth, there were quite a few moments. One of my favorites is he saw Nathan, Nathaniel, excuse me, under a fig tree. So Long before this man met Jesus, Jesus had already seen him and knew what was happening in his life. And as Nathaniel is brought by one of the other disciples to come meet Jesus for the first time in Nathaniel's mind, Jesus makes a comment about Nathaniel. And he says, you know, here is this man, um, this great man of Israel. And um, Nathaniel says, how did you know that? You don't know me. How do you know that about me? And Jesus says, I saw you you know, when you were still under a fig tree and we don't know what happened in Nathaniel's life. We don't know the significance of that event, but Jesus had information that about Nathaniel, that Nathaniel thought Jesus shouldn't have known, but because he was God, he knew, you know, there's the other moment where Jesus is sitting with the Samaritan woman at the well. And he knows uh, this is found in John four and he knows about what's happening at home. He's able to speak about the details of her life. And, you know, we, we think, well, of course he can, because he's God, you know, Jesus fully God and fully man was able to know these things because he was God. Well, he had this, he was fully God. He was fully man and the Holy spirit was within him and uh, part of his ministry, but we have the Holy Spirit living and moving inside of us. And like we've said, this isn't just some bonus wind or mysterious force. This is God, and he knows all things. There was one moment in my life um, when I was in a coffee shop, and um, there was a person sitting next to me, and I really felt so strongly that God had asked me to share with this person a specific message for them. And it was a town where, you know, this probably <laughs> I have lived in parts of the country where this might have been accepted. And this was a time uh, when it really probably wasn't going to be very welcomed. And I still stepped out in faith and said, you know, I, I know we don't know each other, but I have a question. Can I share this with you? It's a, something that God has put on my heart and I just want to give it to you. But here's the thing. God had said a name to my heart. He had spoken a name to my heart before he said this very, you know, simple thing that he wanted me to share with this person. And I guess I trusted God enough to say, I believe that he shared this with me and I need to encourage this person in this way. But I guess I didn't trust God enough to say, I wonder if this is this person's name. And so I did, I guess, the brave-ish thing, the brave-ish thing. And I, I spoke and I said, I really feel like God wants you to know this. And here's your encouraging word. We finished our conversation. That was sort of the end of it. And then I said, I am so sorry. I never introduced myself. My name is Becky Thompson. And this person said, hello, nice to meet you. I'm fill in the blank. And it was the same name 
mm. that God had, had dropped in my heart. And I, I think about that moment all the time. I think how much would it have changed that person's life to know that God knows their name, you know, that God knows everyone's name, that he knew their name. And this really was a message just for them. And so how did that happen? I think it's just very simple. I'm only Becky Thompson, Becky Thompson spirit who lives in the Becky Thompson body, but the Holy Spirit fills me and he knows everything. So yes, that, that's an amazing story, isn't it? It does happen. Yes. We could talk on and on, Becky, but I think our time's up. So thank you so much. Becky Thompson, who's just published this book with uh, Thomas Nelson in the States called God So Close, Experience a Life Awakened to His Spirit. Becky, before we go, where can people find you on social media and the net? Sure. Uh, really, the easiest thing to do is find me at beckythompson.com. And then I have links on Facebook and Instagram uh, to all of my Becky Thompson pages. And your Midnight Mums. Oh, right. Yeah, One that's million, right. <laughs> give us, we've got a couple of minutes. Tell us quickly about your Midnight Mums. One million of them, I gather. Yes, we're almost to two. We're, I think it's oh, 1.7, 1.6, 1.6, 1.7 yep. million moms gathered in nightly prayer. Um, that's on Facebook at Midnight Mom Devotional and now Midnight Dad Devotional as well. And we just pray for moms in different seasons and situations of life every night at 8.30 Central Time in the States, which I suppose you'll have to help <laughs> figure out what time uh, that is. That's, well, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, put on, I'll put a note on the podcast. I'm put on my head. I'd hate to get. Midnight Mums, fantastic. Look out for the Midnight Mums Prayer Warriors. Nearly 2 million of them in the middle of the night. Can't do it any better than that, Becky. Thank you so much for your time. And thanks to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and take care of things behind the, th uh, behind the scenes. Becky, thank you so much for your time. Thanks again for having me. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. If you want to help us make more great episodes like this one, you can head over to our Patreon page and become a God Story Podcast supporter. You'll receive our undying gratitude, plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support. Just visit patreon.com slash godstorypodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash godstorypodcast. As always, you can get in touch with us via our website, godstorypodcast.com.